The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 80th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www. IIR Sports, one word, dot com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Well, first, our thoughts are with our many friends in the New York City and New Jersey area. As you listeners know, I travel down there often, particularly to New York City, and referenced last week that I had uh, attended an NFL U.S. Army event in D.C. Uh, a week and a half ago, and I drove down there from Boston and literally drove right down the storm route, all down the New Jersey Turnpike on my way to D.C., and literally stopped at Got gas, made a few stops along the way, and went by just about every town, seeing the exit signs from the turnpike that seemingly has been affected by this uh, by Hurricane Sandy. Also, I grew up uh, western Pennsylvania, as again my listeners know, and I grew up. When you grow up in western Pennsylvania, you go to the Jersey Shore in the summer. So it's just. Uh, Shocking to see what's happened down there, and uh, a mere two years ago, I was uh, stayed overnight in Atlantic City, right on the boardwalk. So, again, it's just stunning to see that basically the boardwalk doesn't exist anymore. So, it has just been a horrible, horrible week, to say the least. Uh, it truly did turn out to be the storm of a lifetime down there. And that leads right into uh, what is my low light of the week, which is the New York City officials' decision to run the marathon on Sunday. I just cannot believe they're doing it. 50,000 runners and all the accompanying people coming into the city, uh, 
just doesn't seem like the right thing to do. Uh, New York City is just paralyzed, to put it mildly, between transportation, flooding, and power outages. Uh, they're overwhelmed. And to add in, in my estimation, to add in any type of uh, what I'll consider optional uh, event is just ridiculous. And, and the problem with the marathon is, of course, it covers such a wide, wide um, area, meaning they're running 26 miles through Manhattan. And even though I realize they're not running through what is the affected areas, the lower end of Manhattan, it still just seems like it's uh, not the right thing to do. Um, ironically, the race apparently starts on Staten Island. I have friends who are from Staten Island, and I've been there and saw reports as recently as an hour ago that people in Staten Island are not receiving help. At least that's what they're saying, and I have no reason to believe otherwise. And the rhetoric coming out of Staten Island, ironically, the start of the marathon, is very similar to what we were hearing on day four. Uh, and five after Katrina down in New Orleans that basically people were feeling stranded and abandoned. So, all in all, I just think it's a really, really bad move um, by any stretch of the imagination from them showing generators that are going to be used for the marathon that obviously could be used elsewhere in New Jersey and Manhattan, such as in New Jersey to power up uh, the gas stations. Uh, who can't pump gas, not due to lack of gas, but due to lack of power. Uh, that's one way, one way those generators could be used. Um, but again, resource diverting resources, which you just have to do for a marathon of this size. Again, 50,000 people running 26 miles through Manhattan. Um, just doesn't seem like the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, I'm well aware of uh, the Heat and Knicks are playing tonight in Madison Square Garden. That's in Midtown. Again, not the affected lower end of Manhattan. Um, to me, that's just totally different. Totally different from a marathon that covers 26 miles with 50,000 people. This is, uh, you know, one venue hosting an event. I mean, it, I think that, you know, they probably shouldn't have had this game, apparently. The Miami Heat needed... Uh, Three hours to get from the airport into Midtown. Traffic is crazy because there's no subways, trains, minimal buses, uh, minimal subways. Uh, so it's just, it's a disaster. Period. End of story. There's no other way to say it. Uh, and so I think Mayor Bloomberg is making a horrible decision. This could end up being his legacy. I've always thought he does a good job as mayor. Uh He's from Boston, but I just think he is really, really making a bad move on this one. This leads right into my bizarre story of the week, which is simply the Pittsburgh Steelers flying in Sunday morning to play the Giants. Uh, they got a special dispensation, if you will, from the NFL to do this, going on game day. The hotel in Jersey City that they were supposed to stay in. Still uh, doesn't have power, so that's uh, ostensibly the reason they're not going in the night before. But there's also 
sensitivity on the part of the NFL that um, and the Steelers themselves that you know it's just a distraction that nobody needs down there as uh, you know worrying about putting up the Pittsburgh Steelers. Being from Western Pennsylvania, out near Pittsburgh, I've made many trips from Western PA into New York. Yeah, it's it's easy. So I know they're flying. They could drive. Um, they'd have to leave very early, obviously. But uh, I think it's a good move. I think the NFL, for the most part, always, uh, you know, gets these types of decisions right. They, you know, as opposed to running the marathon in New York on Sunday. I just think that, uh, again, it's the right move, you know, to have the Steelers just come in on game day. They go in a little old school. It'll be a little different. NFL has very strict rules about getting in the night before for any of their games. And uh, should be a fascinating game. Number one, the game itself, obviously, is the marquee game of the weekend. Both teams are playing well. And... Uh, I'm anxious to see, you know, will the stadium be filled, MetLife Stadium in uh, New Jersey? And what will the crowd be like? Uh, obviously, the Steelers are affected because their game day routine is affected. So that goes without saying. So sure to be fascinating, uh, sure to be a lot of, you know, storm-related discussion, shall we say, and footage around the fact that this game is being played in New Jersey, but I'll say what I said about the Heat Knicks, you know, it's a stationary venue, one venue, and I just think it's, uh, you know, a little different than running the marathon, but we shall see, bound to be interesting. And that leads to my highlight of the week, which is simply the opening of the NBA season. It's been a great week up here in Boston, we're... Uh, Pretty fired up, as you can imagine, to watch the Celtics take on the Heat on Tuesday night. Uh, the Heat were given their rings that night, something the Celtics are familiar with from 2008, a few of the Celtics. And, uh, you know, it was a great game. It had some, uh, you know, some great sidebars to it, specifically Ray Allen going to the Heat in the offseason. And uh, he, of course, went up and shook hands with the coaches when he was about to go on the floor for the first time and tapped Kevin Garnett on the shoulder, who basically, and KG just snubbed him. It's gotten a lot of airplay. Personally, I totally agree with KG, and Ray was fine to tap him on the shoulder, too. You know, it's no big deal being a KG watcher up close for the last four years, five years. That's him. He is just... Uh, Ultra focused, and I would have been stunned had he reacted to uh, Ray Allen in any way, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, uh, and I think indifferent was the way to go. So that was great. And then, of course, the game ended with uh, Rondo's hard foul on Dwayne Wade. Wade called it a punk move. And although I'm a big Rondo fan of his play, I think he's. One of the most exciting players in the NBA, to say the least. Uh, it was a punk move. I agree with Dwayne Wade on this one. Uh, no call for it, and uh, the game was over at that point. And they do have a history, so not shocked by it. And Rondo, as we've seen before, gets a little frustrated. But, uh, you know, I, definitely not something he should have done. 
And these two will see each other down the road, no doubt about it, and uh, it won't be forgotten. There were some other interesting things with the beginning of the NBA season. Uh, last night, I happened to stay up and watch uh, Tony Parker hit the game-winning shot to beat Oklahoma City Thunder in San Antonio. Great ending, great game, and uh, so just fascinating to watch. And, uh, you know, the San Antonio Spurs, they're just a team that uh, they're here every, they're there every year. And, you know, the Thunder had the, had the game, could have won it, had possession with the lead and couldn't hold on. And uh, interesting to watch the Thunder in the wake of, James Harden leaving. He had 37 points in his debut with Houston. So, uh, I don't know. Will the Thunder be the same team? That is the big question. Other storylines. Anthony Davis, no surprise, looked great for the New Orleans Hornets in his first game up against Tim Duncan, of all people. And he showed up big time. And uh, clearly, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And the other are the Lakers losing their first two games. And... Uh, playing the Clippers tonight in what should be a very, very entertaining game. So, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond listen for the comeback radio show with tony farmer a lot of people believe what they read on the internet hear and see in the media and on the news we're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype it's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line now is our 
weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, how you doing today? Okay, John, how are you? Good, good. Uh, quite a week. I know you were down in New York City working at the New York Post uh, this week, and I'm anxious to hear your thoughts of what it was like down there. And I'm also, uh, I started off my show talking about my uh, opposition to them running the marathon, and your paper had a headline and a front page that's getting a lot of play today all over ESPN and the like, which is simply abuse of power. <laughs> so with that said, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it was like to be in New York City on Monday, and then go into your thoughts on the decision to run the New York City Marathon. Well, um, we, we were put up. Uh, they put us up at, uh, at hotels in Midtown, uh, you know, just to ease the traveling and, you know, keep us in the city because, you know, there was, uh, you know, right before the storm, you know, there were, there was rumors that they were going to close down the subways and close down the path and close down the bridges and tunnels. And, you know, we obviously needed people in the city. We do have some, some of our staff, uh, guys who work in the city, but for those of us who, who are not, uh, they did put us up, uh, in Midtown Hotel for, uh, Sunday, Monday. Um, it was kind of surreal because, you know, where we were in, in the Midtown area, upper Midtown, it was, it was windy, uh, but it wasn't, you, know, you really didn't feel like, like a, a hurricane, but obviously lower Manhattan was, was, was badly hit. Staten Island was badly hit. Brooklyn, Queens, uh, New Jersey, the New Jersey shore was devastated. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, any, everything below 31st Street in Manhattan was, you know, they lost power and there's, you know, there's no telling when. When that's going to come back, uh, you can't find gas anywhere in New Jersey right now. Uh, they expect that to ease up over the weekend, but it's, it's a rough time down there. And, and you know, people have had their homes flooded, destroyed. Uh, there's a section in, uh, in in Brooklyn, I believe, called Greasy Point. And if you watch, if you look at the pictures of it, um, it looks like Hiroshima. It's just total devastation. Houses destroyed. Uh, they had a huge fire out there that that turned into a firestorm because the winds just Kind of kept it going, and firefighters were able to put it out. Uh, it was just, it was just bad all the way around, and you know, continues to be bad uh, for a lot of people in in the metropolitan area, which you know was the, the area most affected by this storm. Um, I think initially there had been a lot of opposition, you know, uh, kind of segueing into the, the, the marathon discussion. There had been a lot of opposition. Uh, to Mayor Bloomberg's decision to run the race. Uh, up until that point, he had gotten very high marks from everyone um, you know, for their handling of the crisis, along with uh, uh, along with uh, Governor Christie and Governor Cuomo, uh, and also President Obama uh, for their handling of the, of the crisis. But uh, I think there was, there was a lot of uh, a lot of angst about, well, how can you run have an event like this? How can you treat it like it's a normal situation when there's there's a charge of the city, uh, and, and I would agree with that uh, to a large degree. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the marathon anyway for other reasons. I that's just you know it's just, to me it's always been kind of a contrived event. But um, this morning uh, it was announced that the New York Roadrunners Club is donating a million dollars towards disaster relief, and they're and they're kind of turning into the turning the marathon into more of a charity event. Uh, you know, with the, the Roadrunners Club making that huge donation, uh, and also they're also asking. Runners to donate uh, $26.60 for you know, 26.6 miles of the race uh, to disaster relief as well. So if, if 
that being the case, uh, if it's turning more into a charity event, I, I, I'm, I'm more okay with that. And, you know, hopefully it can raise a lot of money and a lot of awareness, not only in New York, but around the country, uh, for disaster relief. Uh, we also found out this morning that the, um, that the, uh, the NBA and its players association and the NFL and its players association are all donating a million dollars apiece. Uh, to, to the Red Cross for, uh, for, uh, Sandy Relief. And, uh, you know, they're going to be, I think there's going to be before the Giants Steelers game on Sunday, uh, at Life Stadium, which was not damaged by the storm. Uh, they're going to have a, a ceremony and they're going to, uh, raise awareness of the situation there as well. So, um, you know, sports themselves, the actual sports are, are, are obviously taking a back seat. Uh, to the more pressing, uh, pressing needs of, uh, and, and tribulations of, of New Yorkers, New Jerseyans, and, and those that fall area this weekend. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a very, very different weekend in New York, um, as we move forward, I think. Wow. That's, uh, that's a lot of information and, you know, very poignant and pertinent. You were right down there for it. And if I'm not mistaken, Barry, are you from New Jersey? That's where you grew yep. up, right? Yep. Uh, in fact, the, uh, a lot of the the, the worst, the badly uh, hit parts are areas that that, that that I'm very familiar with. You know, having you know been there many times and uh, and having grown up uh, a lot of growing up, but living uh, not that far from the area, uh, we we used to have a home in the Jersey Shore, and not too far from from, from some of the badly affected areas. I mean, I, I can remember you know you've seen pictures, I'm sure, of Seaside Heights. That's a very popular resort community in New Jersey, and you know we you know everyone anyone from New Jersey. Is Seaside many many times and has ridden you know, that little that, that little roller coaster and uh, it's funny my wife and I were, were talking about this this morning. Um, it's just it, it's amazing to believe uh, at that little roller coaster that we used to ride all the time is now in, in destroyed in the water. So it's just uh, it's just a very uh, very important New Jersey for a lot of people. It's just uh, you know it. it, it you, you, you can't imagine you know, what people are going through. You can't imagine. I, mean, I, I can't pretend to know what these people are going through. They've lost their homes, they've lost loved ones. I believe uh, the, the, the death toll hit uh, over 40 uh, in your metropolitan area because of this storm. So, you know, obviously, you know, it's very important, I think, for all of us to kind of keep things in perspective uh, this weekend and moving forward as, 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 as the very slow process of recovery, uh, recovery begins. Well, last night on Rock Center, Brian Williams was about seven miles south of uh, Seaside Heights, uh, and I've been there myself in Asbury Park and Wildwood, Atlantic City. I, I know the Jersey Shore very well, and uh, but yeah, he he literally was standing on a beach with one of the cars from that very roller coaster you're talking about. The little, I guess, '57 Chevy models is what they use as the roller coaster ride cars, and. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, so the storm took one of those cars from Seaside Heights seven miles down the beach, and uh, it, it was pretty surreal. And yeah, it's just you know, and just back to the marathon. I mean, and New Jersey gas situation. I mean, to me, it's like my problem with the marathon is just you know the diversion of obviously of, of resources that are obviously needed elsewhere, such as you know. I'll just use the example of what a lot of people are saying down there. You know, they're using generators for the marathon. And couldn't those generators be used in New Jersey to 
fire up the gas pumps so that they would work. I mean, it's just that simple. I mean, I'm hearing crazy stuff about, you know, I just got an email from someone in New Jersey and I've been seeing all the TV footage that all of us have, but, you know, fist fights in lines and I guess somebody pulled a gun in New York City this morning at a, <laughs> at a uh, gas line. I mean, and you, like me, probably remember the gas shortages back in the 70s. I certainly, you know, remember them well. In fact, I once drove to New York City during the gas shortage, and uh, that was a hairy trip because getting gas was no guarantee, and so it's very reminiscent seeing this again. But anyway, it's uh, it's just that simple. There's no way you can run that marathon without resources being used that could perhaps be better used elsewhere. It's just that simple. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, I, I, as I said, I think the fact that they're doing it for charity, you know, it takes a little bit of the sting out of that. However, you know, I think I think if you look at, if you look at the big picture, it, 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 I think we all would have been better served if they had, say, postponed the marathon for at least a week to kind of, you know, get everything back up and running, you know, to some extent. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And it, it's just, I, I think a lot of it too is, you know, because they want to really convey that, that New York has that, you know, fight through it attitude. I mean, a similar decision was made, was made after 9-11, uh, to run the marathon, to continue to run a marathon when it was scheduled, um, you know, right when the, when the, when the worst of, of, of that very slow recovery began. Um, I don't know. This is a little different to me. I think because people, you know, a lot, a lot of people are affected by. I don't know. It's, 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 it's a tough call to make. Uh, but I would, I would, if, if it were up to me, I would have said, you know, continue to run it for charity. And that's, that's all well and good, and that's that's fantastic. But I, I think they probably should have postponed it for at least a week. Um, you know, maybe a little longer, just until you know things are 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 back to somewhat. Of a sense of normalcy, it's going, to be, it's going to take a long time before we see, you know, quote normal uh, things in New York and New Jersey again. Uh, you know, maybe there's going to be a new normal. I don't know, but uh, as, as for right now, I, I think it probably would have been a smart decision to uh, to postpone the marathon for at least a week. Yeah, exactly. And the and the other irony to this whole thing is, uh, you know, that apparently the race starts on Staten Island, and the, you know, Staten Island seems to have suddenly become ground zero, if you will, of people feeling, the residents there feeling like they're, they've been abandoned and nobody's helping them. And, uh, you know, the rhetoric is amazingly similar to what we're hearing three, four days after Katrina. And, uh, you know, we're hearing out of Staten Island of all places. So I just think, again, you know, that's just, uh, uh, a sad irony, but again, I, I just don't get it. You said it perfectly. Why, why not just postpone it a week? Uh, I would have thought that, you know, Tuesday morning, the minute they saw the damage, you know, along with many other things like canceling the Nets Knicks opener at Barclays Center in Brooklyn, uh, even though I realized that was initially on, but then they, uh, at the request of the mayor, I might add, apparently, Mayor Bloomberg requested that the Nets and Knicks call off that game, uh, postpone it. And I would have thought he should have just, you know, been making the same sort of thought process and decision for the marathon. So, I, again, I just don't get it. Um, but in the end, I think this really could become part of his legacy, if not a big part of his legacy. And, 
Um, it's just one of those things, symbolic, that people don't forget. So, especially if anything goes wrong or, or whatever. Uh, but, you know, that said, they are, you know, apparently by, you know, the race is on and they are donating for charities. So that's a good thing. Much like the concert tonight um, that's being held by some of the New Jersey uh, musicians, the natives. John Bon Jovi, Bruce Springsteen, and the like, and uh, yeah, so it's just a crazy situation to say the least. And uh, when we get back, you know, uh, another part. The, there's other offshoots of this, which is you know Steelers Giants playing at MetLife, Knicks Heat playing tonight. I'd like to get into both of those subjects with you, and we'll get into them uh, after we take our break. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports do you feel the need for speed whatever your addiction nascar indycar nhra formula one or even lawnmower racing pit pass usa has got you covered larry henry here host of pit pass usa i put my 30 plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry. Your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports... America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And still on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, we've been talking about the effects of Hurricane Sandy on New York and New Jersey, and we can start right off in New Jersey. Uh, as I touched on at the beginning of the show, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are flying in Sunday morning to play the New York Giants at MetLife in New Jersey, MetLife Stadium. And uh, I, for one, applaud the Steelers on and the NFL on uh, making the decision to fly in on game day. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the, the problem was, there were a couple things going on. Number one, the Steelers couldn't find a, a hotel that could accommodate them 
if they had flown in on Saturday night, there just are no hotel rooms to be had for for a couple of different reasons. Uh, number one, you know, something that we saw, that we've seen in New York City already. There are so many people who have been displaced from their homes, especially in Lower Manhattan, that a lot of them are staying either with friends or family, or they're getting hotel rooms. So there is not a hotel room to be had in the New York City area. The other factor too is a lot of the places that that could accommodate uh, a football team, say, uh, have no power, and there's no telling when they're when they're going to have power. So the the, the Steelers, you know, you know, as we've talked about, the Steelers, you know, being one of the you know, classiest organizations in pro sports, as we've talked about many times on this show, they made the decision, and the with the NFL's blessing, to to you know do pretty much an unpress the unprecedented uh, uh, method of flying in on game day, which which the you know, NFL league rules normally prohibit. Usually, it requires teams to be in the day the night before a game, but in this case, you know, it's not that long a flight. Pittsburgh to New York, um, they're going to charter in. Fly into Newark. Uh, they're going to go right to uh, a hotel, not to stay over, but to kind of gather, have their pregame meal, have their pregame meeting, then go right to MetLife Stadium, play the game against the Giants at 4:30, and then charter home to Pittsburgh right after the game. So, um, you know, I, I think you know, I, I read I read a story this morning saying that the, the Steelers official was quoted saying saying, you know, we didn't think it was right, you know, for us to be asking. Uh, People, your know, workers at a hotel, you know, regular people, to be running, running around in circles trying to accommodate us uh, when you know there's a there's much more a much bigger task at hand than you know getting back to the you know keeping keeping things in perspective discussion that we've been having before. Um, you know, the Steelers just didn't feel comfortable, didn't think it was right to you know ask people to do that. You know, when they when they when they had their own 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 homes and. And families to, to be concerned about. So, you know, the Steelers said, you know what, there's, there's way more important things, uh, for people to deal with, uh, their regular lives than, you know, than for, than for us to be, you know, taken care of, you know, to play a football game. So, you know, so, you know, so, yeah, kudos to the Steelers and to the NFL for, for taking this approach. And, uh, you know, there will be, you know, much, much to be made about, uh, hurricane relief before the Giants Steelers game on Sunday, I believe, uh, they're going to be raising money for the Red Cross, as we said before. So, uh, so yeah, you know, definitely a, a different approach, different perspective this week. You know, of course, once the game starts, it'll be all about the game. But you know, the time leading up to it, uh, you know, well, like you said, it's, it's very, very similar to what went on in New Orleans uh, involving Hurricane Katrina. And um, you know, it's funny that the uh, the Giants were the first team to play uh, to play uh, football against the Saints after that happened too. So uh you know the so the Giants being front and center uh in disaster relief once again. Right, right. Well again I uh you know, I not to belabor the point, but exactly what you reported that was said by the Steelers official, it just doesn't feel right to uh have New Jersey based workers running around trying to service a football team uh, by them staying overnight the night before. That, that's my whole point, and I think your your whole point about uh, them running the marathon, and you know that requires people to uh, turn their attention to that, and, and that, in my mind, is the problem. But enough said about that. Uh, you know, it should be a mildly potentially surreal scene at MetLife. I mean, you know, I'm not down there. You you have been uh, this week. Uh, we all know about the gas issues, uh, you know, but I'm just curious, you know. 
Will the stadium be filled? Uh, what will the crowd itself be like? Uh, I think it may turn into a, a bit of a forum, if you will, for, uh, you know, drawing attention to what's happening specifically in New Jersey, since this game is in New Jersey. And, uh, and all that said, you know, and the, the fact, the way that they are handling it, Steelers flying in and out on game day, uh, that could be an actually, uh, you know, a positive thing. And just to close out my thought, just, you know, to me, there's a big difference between holding an event at one venue, i.e. Steelers, Giants, or even Knicks Heat, versus, you know, 45,000 people running 26 miles through, through Manhattan. To me, there's no comparison between the two. And, uh, but yeah, I, I think it should be, you know, Quite an interesting game, both on and off the field, shall we say, on Sunday between the Giants and the Steelers. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting point you bring up. You know, will, there, will the stadium be full? I mean, you know, people in New Jersey have really, really been suffering uh, for the last several days. Um, you know, do people feel it's worth it to, you know, to uh, use some of their uh, precious gas? You know, to get to the stadium to watch a football game. You know, well, you know, uh, of course there will be, there will be, you know, buses to the stadium, I'm sure, and, you know, people will figure out a way. I mean, but, uh, yeah, that's an interesting point. And, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess we'll just have to wait and see to see how that, how that all unfolds on Sunday afternoon in, in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey. Absolutely. And, uh, I know Giants fans come from far and wide. I, for, uh, in the house I formerly lived in, just a few miles from where I'm at now, outside of Boston, I've always remembered that a guy on my block was a 20-year season ticket holder for the Giants who literally drove from a Boston suburb down to New Jersey for every single Giants home game for years. He's probably still doing it. I have no reason to believe otherwise. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but you make a very good point of just plain and simply is that, you know, is that how a New Jersey person would use their gas by driving to the game? I mean, gas is so precious that, uh, that, that, that just raises a very interesting point I hadn't thought about. I mean, it seems like if you got gas in New Jersey, you are saving your driving for, uh, anything ranging from, you know, life or death to, you know, minimum work. Just being able to go to work every day, you know. Go to work, I mean, exactly. Yeah, I mean, now the good news. Now, now the other caveat in all of this too is that they're. they're uh, I heard a report this morning uh, saying that they're they're expecting the situation to ease considerably over the weekend. So, you know, it may it may not even be a point of contention by Sunday uh, that you know more more and more gas stations will be open. But you know, for right now, it's difficult. But uh, they did say they expect the situation to improve over the weekend. So that may have a, a very very positive and relaxing effect on this whole thing. Uh, it was described by one official as, you know, imagine uh, a clog in your drain, you know, a really bad clog suddenly just opening up and, every, and, and everything being go, everything going down the drain. That's how it's going to feel once once this eases. So uh, all we can do is just kind of wait and hope that that happens, you know, more sooner than later in New Jersey and so we can, uh, you know, we can all kind of get back to, you know, getting back to normal as normal as things can be situation well I certainly hope you're right I, I must say I watched you know the new news and it seems nearly impossible as we you know as of Friday noon literally an hour and a half ago with what I watched the gas lines in New Jersey Queens what have you New York City 
that that could possibly ease up on Sunday, even if like every gas station in the next five minutes suddenly had gas. It seems like it would take two days to flush out the, uh, you know, the demand that's so obvious between cars and the lines of people standing there holding their gas cans. It's just, uh, it's off the charts. And it's not just cars either. I mean, there are people that with people without power that are, um, you know, running generators, you know, to get electricity. And those generators are powered by gas. So, you know, you have that one out as well. You know, people standing there. That's why you see people standing with their, with their cans and long lines, not necessarily in their cars, but just standing there, you know, online holding, you know, just like online as, as any line for anything, just regular people, just people standing there holding gas cans. So it, it, it is very surreal in New Jersey right now. And, you know, hopefully, you know, these reports that I heard this morning are, are accurate and, uh, you know, we, you know, that everybody can get some relief real soon. Yes, yes. Uh, again, as of an hour and a half ago, they said the lines were, the waits were four hours. And bottom line, you could testify, you would know this better than me. Um, you know, people are running out of patience. It's just that simple. I mean, you know, I think everybody's really, so, you know, been a good soldier, uh, you know, but human nature being human nature, by the time you get into day three, day four, you're pretty tapped. You're pretty weary. And uh, so I, I just think that, you know, each it's getting increasingly difficult to, you know, for people handling these lines. I gave the example just a few minutes ago. Apparently a guy pulled a gun in line today in Queens, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, hopefully that'll be the end of the last time we hear of something like that and that everything finally eases up. But uh, with that said, why don't we take our break? And on the other side, we'll get back into still more storm slash sports discussion, starting with the fact that the Heat and the Knicks are playing tonight in Madison Square Garden. So we'll take our break now. flagship station for sports voice america sports we some hard hitters we some hard hitters hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show your hosts are nfl veterans mark mcmillan and co-host byron evans it's an hour of hater free radio every week You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us... uh, will be Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. But before we talk to Barry, I want to first get into my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing, which is Alabama, LSU, and another Saturday night special. Should be great. Uh, The one team in the country that is not intimidated in any way, shape, or form by Alabama is obviously LSU, who beat them last year in the regular season, but then got trounced by the Tide in the national championship game. And uh, it's going to be great. You know, they're playing in the toughest venue in America to play a college football game. That would be Death Valley in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, tomorrow night. And they're in the same division, which is the SEC West, but yet it has gigantic national championship implications, obviously. LSU doesn't seem to be quite the team it's been the last few years, uh, but, you know, dangerous nonetheless. Their defense, their special teams are just off the charts. Their offense is lacking this year. Alabama, they just look like an absolute powerhouse. Uh, they, they frankly look unbeatable at this point in time. Um, I can't help but think uh, when I watch T.J. Yeldon, who's just uh, become a star as a true freshman running back. Uh, a mere 10 months ago, I was watching him play in the U.S. Army All-American Bowl down in San Antonio, Texas, where I worked last year. Uh, he was in the high, that high school all-star game, and now he is uh, a significant piece of the Alabama offense. So very impressive, to say the least, and... Uh, the other big game worth watching is, of course, uh, Oregon-USC. Can't wait to see that. Uh, Oregon, talk about a team that looks unbeatable. They look unbeatable. I think everybody's kind of hoping to see Oregon-Alabama down the road. Uh, tomorrow night, we'll go a long way towards determining if that's going to become a reality. But with that said, uh, Barry's back on the line with us. And uh, Barry, I closed the previous segment talking about... Uh, the fact that the Heat and the Knicks are playing tonight in New York City, Madison Square Garden in Midtown, uh, largely not not in the uh, most affected zone of the flooding in New York City. But uh, what are your thoughts on both that game being held tonight as well as uh, the NBA starting its season this week in general? Well, the, um, the Garden is really only a few blocks away from where the the upper levels of the um, of the worst part uh, of Sandy Hit in regard to uh, people not having power. You're pretty much All right, 34th Street. We have everything from you know, 30, they, I believe it's everything from 31st Street South has no electricity, and the garden is on 8th Avenue and 33rd Street, so basically just, just outside that that zone. So, you know, I think there was there was some talk about, you know, should they postpone it? What should they do? I mean, they've already, they had already decided to postpone, you know, the, uh, the, the Knicks-Nets game uh, in Brooklyn last night that would have been the first sporting event uh, held 
uh, at the Barclays Center, the new brand new Barclays Center. So they made the decision to postpone that. I believe they're going to play that November 26th. Um, and there was some, you know, there was a little bit of talk uh, about about uh, doing the same thing with the Knicks Heat game, but I think they figure, you know, this is a marquee game on the on the schedule. You know, World Champion uh, Heat coming in the, to face the Knicks uh, at the Garden. And I think again, as we mentioned with some of the other events, um, I think this will also be used as um, as a way uh, to get some get some uh, get some charity work done too, because as we mentioned, uh, the NBA and its Players Association each, each donated a million dollars for uh, Hurricane Sandy relief. So um, I think this will be a good a good venue and a good uh, a good method of kind of getting the word out about that. So, but as for the game itself, you know, uh, you know, well, the the Heat are a team that has has a lot of targets on their back this year. I think a lot of people be gunning for them. You know, whether whether the Knicks or the teams eventually, you know, do that gunning, I, I don't know. The Knicks right now, to me, look like a team that with not a whole lot of ammunition in the chamber there. I mean, they're they're very old. They're very, they've had a lot of injuries throughout training camp in the preseason. And, you know, word is now that if our Stoudemire could be out several months, uh, it just doesn't bode well. And I don't know. I, I just, I just, there are some people that think the Knicks will be very good this year. I'm not buying it because I just, I just think, think their age and their uh, the physical level of a lot of these players um, will be severely tested. And you know, I think we're going to see a lot of gimpiness. We're going to see a lot of you know uh, muscle pulls, a lot of injuries that that could really hurt them in the long run. I mean, you already have guys like Rasheed Wallace. I don't think he's even be able to practice yet. Uh, you know, coming out of retirement. Yeah, Marcus Canby has been hobbled. I mean, these are all guys that are, you know, well into their late 30s. Uh, you know, the Knicks are the oldest team in the league. So, I don't know. I, I just don't, don't, don't see it voting well as a really, really good, good sign for the Knicks this year. I mean, they, they, they need to get young and they, they got older. So, you know, Jason Kidd is still a very good player, but, you know, I think we all agree he's not the player he used to be. And, you know, uh, you know, not resigning Jeremy Lynn, I think. Not only for the marketing aspect of it, which was huge, but I think just from the age aspect, I think I think that, I think that was a mistake. I think it was a little short-sighted, and you know maybe it would have been worth it to spend the extra money on on a Jeremy Lin, even though you know you, you can make the case he's not he's not proven. You know uh, he only played you know a handful of games, but you know uh, you know Lin Sammy was an amazing thing to watch, and uh, I don't know. I just I, I just think it was a mistake letting a youthful guy with such a huge following. Uh, you know, a guy that people really wanted to see, number one, and a guy that could contribute, number two, uh, to have him not, not, not be there anymore. So now you're, you know, you're, you're left with some of the older guys. And I, I just don't know how sound that strategy was for the Knicks, but I, I guess we'll find out soon enough. But I, I'm not, I'm not expecting the Knicks to be a real, real big player this year. Yeah, well, I thought they made a horrible decision, you know, uh, by letting Jeremy Lin go. I mean, he, he, Put the Knicks back on the map and back in everybody's consciousness uh, with Lynn Sanity. That was, like you said, amazing, fun, loved it. But speaking of Jeremy Lynn, uh, I think that, you know, he is really going to benefit from the James Harden trade uh, and the fact they signed James Harden to an $80 million contract. So he now you know you have you know Harden in the backcourt with Jeremy Lin, which to me you know especially in light of the eighty million dollar contract, it just takes so much pressure off Jeremy Lin, and allows him to finally just play. You know I I don't think anybody's 
too hung up suddenly on the uh, certainly not in Houston or anywhere else on Jeremy Lin getting 28 million uh, when you know James Harden who you know dropped 37 on the Pistons in his debut the other night uh, you know is now in the exact same backcourt as Jeremy Lin so I just think all of a sudden you know Houston you know just a good franchise and I, I think you know they're going to suddenly uh, be on the radar screen and you know make some noise in the West, uh, you know, along with, of course, you have the Lakers being remade, the Clippers. I, I got the feeling the Clippers are uh, smelling blood in the water as they face the Lakers at 0-2 tonight. Um, I watched Barry last night live, the ending of the San Antonio-Oklahoma City game, and so exciting that last two minutes and then to see, you know, Tony Parker hit a buzzer beater was just absolutely fascinating. I mean, it was just, uh, it got me totally like back into the NBA. I mean, that's what I needed a classic buzzer beater ending between two of the league's powers. And I got it last night around midnight Eastern time. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that, 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 that's a great start to the season. Absolutely. I mean, going back to some of the other points of that we just mentioned, you know, I think that, uh, you know, mention the, the getting James Harden. Hell, hard to do. I mean, 37 uh, the other night uh, with that huge contract. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, you know, one game is a, obviously a very small sample size, and you have to see how it plays out. But uh, you know, judging from that, judging from the potential, and you know what could happen there, yeah, I mean, you, we might overnight see the Rockets become you know one of, one of the players in the league. I mean, they really haven't been been very good since the days of uh, Kim Olajuwon in the mid '90s. So. You know, it would be you know, quite a turnaround for them, absolutely. And, you know, the Lakers, you know, maybe there's some, uh, you know, maybe there's a little uh, little trouble there. As you said, blood in the water. I mean, uh, you know, Steve Nash had to be helped off the court the other night. So, you know, you, you have some age issues there as well, you know, very similar to the Knicks. You know, uh, how much longer uh, can Kobe go? How much longer can, can these guys go out there? So, you know, it's, uh, it's very interesting. It's going to be very interesting to watch and see how it's some of these older teams can contend with a lot of the younger blood uh, now in the NBA. So uh, we just have to see how that plays out. But, uh, you know, certainly uh, a caution light in L.A. and certainly you know, a flashing red light to me uh, in New York with the Knicks. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, just back to James Harden, I mean, I was a big critic of his last year when he disappeared in the NBA Finals. I mean, you know, I really liked his game up until then. But, you know, he went from, obviously, the best six man in the league, you know, major, major star off the bench, to put a mildly instant offense, what have you, to, you know, a total, complete disappearing act in the NBA Finals. Again, I was a major critic. So what I'm anxious to see really are two things. Will James Harden, uh, who has shown flashes of brilliance in, you know, in the past, Will he become, now that he is clearly the, like, the man, the team leader, if you will, best player on the team, will he, like, rise to the occasion and just, you know, propel into superstardom because he showed that he has it in him? That's number one. But number two, I couldn't help but think this last night as I was watching the Thunder basically fumble away, look inept in the last couple of possessions when uh, they had the game in hand against the Spurs, you know, will the loss of James Harden hurt the Thunder and, in fact, take them from being 
clearly everybody's favorite to win the West, even above the Lakers, to uh, maybe not getting to the finals. We're under a minute, but I'd love for you to just close out the show with your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, certainly based on what we've seen so far, again, a very small sample, but you know, we know how great Martin was all season uh, for the Thunder last year. Uh, yeah, he disappeared in the finals, but, you know, you still can't, can't take away with discipline during the regular season. So, you know, just based on, on, on that, you know, you, you know, taking away from, from the, uh, Thunder and adding him to the Rockets, you know, I think you see the Rockets rise and maybe you see the Thunder come a little bit more to the pack. But, you know, there's a, it's a long way to go. It's a very long season. You know, uh, 80 some odd games remaining. So there's, there's, there's going to be a lot, a lot more settled, you know, the answer to that question. But, uh, yeah, I, mean, I think it's certainly, uh, you know, cause for concern in Oklahoma City and it's cause for, you know, maybe a little bit of jubilation in Houston and, and everybody's, everybody's else in the West for that matter. San Antonio, uh, LA Clippers. So yeah, we're going to see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be interesting and, uh, good to have the NBA season underway, unlike, uh, another sport that is supposed to be underway but is not, but we won't go there. And, uh, Barry, I just want to thank you again for your tremendous perspective today on life and life and sports in New Jersey and New York City in the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy. I know you're headed back into the zone as we speak. We'll probably be there in a couple hours uh, in Midtown. And uh, once again, your perspective was terrific as always. And uh, we appreciate you joining us. Okay, no problem, John. Thank you so much, and we'll talk next week. All right, Barry, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thank you.